My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Jeremiah chapter 18 and verse 4, and I'd like to turn your attention to a time when Jeremiah was asked by God to visit the potter's house. And this is what this verse says. On his visit, he noticed, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. And remarkably so, he says, so he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Whatever God is making of your life, I promise you, it's good. (laughs) I just want to say it again. If, If I could just keep you on the wheel long enough, you'll find out just how good his plan really is. But here's what you got to learn to do. This is what the text is trying to convey to us. So... He made it again. And I want to just talk to you about making things again. Making things again. And let me say this. It's all right if God has to make it again. Just because your original ideal is not fulfilled doesn't mean it's not going to be good. You think because the first one was messed up that the second one's going to be bad. But that's not so. Not if I can preach you back on the wheel. See, that's the problem. Everybody wants to jump off the wheel because the first one was marred in the hands of the potter. But if I could just keep you on the wheel, keep you spinning, then God will make it again and it will be good in Jesus' name. Turn to your neighbor and say, it will be good. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Your second favorite words in church. You may be seated. As we examine this phrase, we consider the question, what was flawed that the clay would be so marred in the hands of the potter? Let's ask ourselves that question and let's go back to the text, fit it there and see if we can determine what was really flawed here. Was it the divine design? Was it the plan of the potter that was flawed? 
consider, did perhaps God miss it in the plan that he originally had for the clay? Is that flawed? Was it the divine hand or the skill of the potter? Was that flawed? Maybe God slipped. Maybe his hand, maybe he didn't do it just right. Perhaps his hand was negligent for just a moment. But yet we know that God is never negligent. And we know that his plan is perfect from the beginning. So understanding that it could not be the divine design and it could not be the skill of the potter. So was it the wheel? And yet all of us uh, really suffer the same circumstances in life. They might be a little bit different or defined differently, but we all have about the same troubles and trials. There's no temptation taking you but such as common demand. We face all of the same situations, the circumstances of life are common to all mankind as we spin round around life's merry-go-round. So the flaw cannot be with the wheel because that's a common experience of every man and it can't be with the divine design or the divine hand because we know that the skill of God is perfect. So the flaw has to be in the clay. The flaw is in the clay. So why would God, who's not afraid of failure, I mean, it does not take anything away from God that the clay is marred in the hands of the potter. He doesn't go back and, and, and hear the taunts of the enemy. Well, I thought your plan was perfect. I thought you had all power in heaven and in earth. And you listened to all of the taunts of the enemy. And yet God doesn't care because he understands. He can and he will Make it again. I mean, that's just the way it is. But yet when I consider it, all clay is flawed. There is no clay that God can put on his wheel that's not flawed. I don't think you can go anywhere on this planet and find unflawed clay. There's no such thing as perfect clay. So where is the issue then the issue has, can only be one place. And I think that's the point that somebody needs to consider here tonight because God wants to show you what he wants to do in your life and you need to give him permission to do it. And that is, we just don't want to stay on the wheel long enough for God to make it again. And, and I don't know how many people I've talked to, and I've talked to backsliders all over this city that have been a part of this church many years ago. And at different funerals, when I have met them, I have talked with them, and again and again, I hear the same scenario over and over. They had an idea of what they thought was supposed to be, and when it did not happen the way they thought it was supposed to be, they didn't believe that God could make it again, and it would be good. And so they didn't stay on the wheel long enough and they didn't stay under the influence of the preaching long enough. That's what church is designed for. That's what preaching is designed for is to keep your impatient hide on that wheel until God has the opportunity to make your life again. 
If I got bitter over every dream God killed in my life, over every idea that I had of what I thought God wanted to do. If I got bitter, then I would be destroyed and I would be in the potter's field. But thank God I didn't get bitter because God killed dreams that he was not going to fulfill. But when he made it again, and I didn't get mad because he had to make it again, when he resurrected my dream, it was a whole lot better. It was a whole lot better than what I originally thought because I was patient and I let God make it again. You can't help but see the gospel down at this potter's house. And it was typical of Jeremiah that he found the good news in things such as the potter's wheel and the potter's hand. Jeremiah's weeping heart his undefeatable attitude, his divine outlook, all point to his magnificent appreciation for ordinary things. It was Jeremiah. He had and felt in his heart the wonder of the usual and the awesomeness of the normal. And you see, he didn't have to have extraordinary things to believe that God could do his work. And this is the thing that we need to understand. God doesn't need the spectacular And we are so geared to the spectacular that if it's not spectacular, then we don't think it's any good. But I've come to tell you, I have lived long enough that the spectacular is not always as good as it seems. And everything that glitters isn't gold. Sometimes just coming to church and sitting on the pew and hearing the word of God and saying amen and getting with it can change your life forever. I've walked into ordinary meetings where nothing was happening and all of a sudden God shows up and he speaks a word in season into my life and I realize that I'm not lost. I'm not out there in the storm by myself. God knows the way that I take. When I could not perceive what God was doing, he was still making the clay again. Jeremiah found in his parables, the common things of nature, the ordinary ways of human life. And so here he sees a potter molding a piece of clay and somehow it's marred in the making. And instead of casting it out on the rubbish heap, he sets himself to make it again. And what the prophet felt profoundly was that this is the way that God deals with all of us. Is, is, is God not always making stuff again? I mean, the, fail, the failure is not the flaw in the clay. All clay's flawed. It's not staying on the wheel, getting so disappointed that I missed my first ideal. My dream didn't come to pass. What I had hoped for didn't happen, and I don't know how to handle it, but yet I just stay on the wheel and say, God, I'm submitting to the potter. That's when you need to pray, not my will, Lord, but thine be done. If you think your children are too far away from God, I know it looks like they were marred in the hands of the potter, but I'm telling you, as long as they stay in the hands of the potter, God is able to take that flawed clay and make a good vessel out of them, and he will if we can get them, preach them, Pray them, worship them, 
back on the wheel. Thank God. An artist may paint a picture of springtime and it's beautiful and magnificent with color, but when he's painted it, he's done with it. The picture really can't be painted a second time. But consider the wonder of the creator because he does it every year. <laughs> he doesn't paint the springtime. He just creates it over again. When you consider the fall and all of the beautiful colors of autumn, he just does it every year. And you never get tired of God making it again. It's always good. I have never been disappointed when I have driven down the, the Blue Ridge Parkway in the Shenandoah Valley at fall time. It's still just as spectacular and it's still just as beautiful as the first time I saw it because God can do it again. I don't care how many times you come to church and what great service you had 30 years ago, God can make it again. And even now, I, I've been going to church all of my life and, and I started preaching when I was 11. I got the Holy Ghost when I was 11 and I've been preaching all of this time. And I, 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 but it doesn't get old to me when I see a kid get the Holy Ghost. It doesn't get old to me when we baptize like we baptize Janine's great, 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 great grandchild. Praise the Lord. We baptized that baby this morning. It doesn't get old to me because God knows how to make it again. I don't know how many mistakes that kid will make, but it doesn't make me any difference if we can keep that baby on the wheel. You say, well, what if the clay is flawed? Everybody's clay in this house is flawed. But I promise you that God built it into his plan that even though we're flawed clay, he has the power. If I stay under the supervision of his care and under the touch of his hand, I can be made again. He makes it again. His eternal patience is that he waits and he knows that there's going to be a moment when that clay is going to be susceptible for his touch and he waits for his right moment to make his move and then he reaches out and touches their heart and that even now when it looks like they're not even paying attention to God, God's waiting for that special moment because he being, he being the Lord of the harvest is a husbandman that waits for that harvest and he's waiting for that special moment when he moves in to reclaim them and bring them back to a place where they can be delivered. This same old book, it's just, it's just an old book full of stories and full of uh, truths and and principles, and it's just the same old book. It's been around for thousands of years, and it's just the same old book. And how many of you went to Sunday school when you were a kid? How many of you heard about Daniel in the lion's den, David and the giant, Noah and the ark, and all that cool stuff? And, and how many of you, it don't really make much sense to you, or doesn't even really make a lot of difference to you until you get in a situation where you don't know which way to turn, and then God rescues you, and all of a sudden that old book 
He makes it again in your mind and in your life. Oh, you've read Psalms 23, 250,000 times, but yet sometimes when you're in the storm and you're in the darkness of the night and God speaks that word to you that he is a rod and a staff and it comforts you even though you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, all of a sudden it comes alive again and you realize, whoo, hallelujah, this is, this is the life. This is the life. It's richer now. It's deeper now because of the strain that I'm under. And yet Jesus was just that patient, that powerful, careful, waiting for the right moment. Now, he made things beautifully. I mean, he took water and turned it into wine. Don't y'all think that's cool? I mean, he just spoke to the storm he walked on the water. I don't know of anybody that walked on the water except for Jesus. Has, has anybody here duplicated that? Jesus is about the only one. Simon Peter's the only one that actually duplicated it for a little while. But yet he makes things so magnificently, but his triumph is not in whether or not he can take water and turn it into wine. He does that every single day with grapes all over the world. He takes water and turns it into grape juice right there on the vine every single day. He makes it again. But you see, his true triumph is in making lives again. Aren't you glad that God can go into the rubbish heap of the messes of our life and put us back on the wheel and say, I know you're flawed, but don't, don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged because when I make this again, it's gonna be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Because my God is able to save unto the uttermost. He has all power given unto him in heaven and in earth. And he can make you over and over again. But what about Zacchaeus in the sycamore tree? What about uh, Matthew the tax collector? God can put him on the wheel. He can take him down off the sycamore tree, bring him home, and bring salvation to that house. In just one moment's time, just by his presence. And all you've got to do is walk in here and say, God, I'm not going to allow the usualness of this service to bypass me because there is an awesomeness in the usual. You see, Simon Peter had gone back after the resurrection. He had gone back to fishing and he wasn't really interested in, in, in trying to change now because Jesus is dead and he's gone and there's no sense in trying again. But I'm so glad that the word came to him and spoke so powerfully into his life and said, you go and tell and Peter that I'm going to meet them in Galilee. You be sure to let him know I'm going to meet him because he's messed up and denied me, but it's not over until it's over. And the only problem with Judas Iscariot is he didn't stay on the wheel. He got off the wheel and he wouldn't let God make it again. And some of you think if it's not perfect the first time that God can't do anything with it. And that is the worst lie that Pentecost has ever bought into that we gotta be perfect. And if we're not perfect, then we're not of use or value. And I've come to tell you that's not true. God can take 
flawed clay and he can make it again and it will be good. So what do you do, Brother Kinsey, when you come to church and it's just the usual and it's just the average and it's just the ordinary? What do you do? I just act like it's the best service I've ever been in. What if the message is just a teaching and it's just a training and it's just what you've heard 105,000 times and yet you hear it one more time, said, let me hear it one more time. I'm going to clap my hands. I'm going to say man like it's the first time I ever heard it. Why? Why? Because God can take the usual and God can take the ordinary and he can make it again. And when he does, something good can come out of it. So I'm going to stay on the wheel. Now you can mess around and become the cynic. Oh, you're masterful cynic. And you can be a mocker if you want to. But this preacher is not going to mock God. This preacher is going to stay on the wheel and say, God, if you use the ordinary, usual things, use them on me, hallelujah, so that I can be the instrument of your handiwork. But I had such great hopes. I had such a great dream. And now it's shattered. I know exactly how you feel. I mean, you just want to go, and I've done it. I mean, I've laid most of the night on the floor crying about it. I mean, I know what you're feeling. I know what it means to be devastated. But... I'm kind of like Sister Duckworth back in Provincetown. pastored there for about five years. And I didn't know her. She had already gone to see Jesus. That was one of those. I, I, I went back. Brother Grace is the pastor. And we celebrated their 100th church uh, celebration. 100 years. It's been there that long. Sister Duckworth was one of those ancient troglodyte saints. Back when the dinosaurs were alive, she was an eyewitness of Noah. I didn't know her, but she went on to see Jesus. But she always told her young people that she trained and she talked to in her Sunday school class. Now, you may want to feel like someday walking away from God, but I tell you what you do before you walk away, you come to the house of God and you tell him why you're walking away. And if you'll come and tell him why, I guarantee you he'll change your why. And I mean, there have been kids that have come up to me now, they're ancient of days and they're old remembering that. And they went through that crisis time when God killed their dreams but they went to the house of God like Sister Duckworth told them to. And, and when they got to the house of God, they tried to tell God why. But they couldn't think of why they were leaving. And they started weeping. And in the ordinary and in the usual, God showed up with power. And they found out that this isn't as normal as you think it is. This isn't as usual as you think it is. 
Jesus' name baptism is not just semantics. I don't care how they try to tell you all of that mess. It is the best thing that can ever happen to anybody. And it should never get old. Getting the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. God is able to save to the uttermost. I've been on my face crushed by the circumstance. So I, I know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not preaching an idea. I am preaching from a personal experience. And that didn't just happen one time. That's happened several times in my life where God crushed the dream. And I've gotten to the point where just about, just a few months ago, God killed. I mean, when I tell you, he didn't just shoot this dream. He set off a nuclear bomb. It was like a nuke. He nuked me. And I said, God, why did you have to nuke me? All you had to do, he said, I wanted to make sure and I said, okay, I'm glad you nuked me. And then when he showed me why, he gave me such perfect peace. I'm telling you, it was so powerful that I even told my wife about it. Because, you know, generally when you have those small moments with the Lord, you don't really talk about it. But it was so powerful, I even told my wife about it. I said, God just gave me perfect peace. I mean, it's just like, wow. And he just told me, Whatever I do with your life, it's going to be good. So you just come on back in the house. Because all the circumstances you go through, every temptation you have, everything that happens to you happens to me. Every time you get discouraged, I pretty well, somewhere in my life, have been just as discouraged, if not just as discouraged as you are, 10 times more discouraged than you are. The only thing different is I'm not getting off the wheel. Now, you can go to Krispy Kreme if you want to, but the preacher is gonna stay in the house and I'm going to pray for everybody that wants prayer, even if it's the most ordinary and nobody gets healed. I'm still going to pray. Why? Because this is who we are. And this is what we do. And this is good. And so I'm not picking on anybody here tonight, all right? So when I look out in the congregation and I see you sitting there and you're sleeping, and I know I do not have your attention, so there's no sense in me trying to get it. I used to, when I was a kid preacher, I would get mad about junk like that. And then I realized at least the dummies, I mean, the people are here. Excuse me, I'm sorry. They're here. And so now, and now when I look out over the congregation and I see you yawn, or when I see you cross your eyes or roll your eyes, then I say, well, praise God, they're rolling their eyes in the house of the Lord. 
Maybe God will slap them to where they'll go back straight. At least he's got a shot at it. Praise God. So I don't get upset anymore. Why? Because I am thrilled with the awesomeness of the usual. And I am thrilled with the magnificence of the ordinary. Because there's something about ordinary things that can be transformed into extraordinary power. When you realize God can make it again. This church has had great revival in the past. And friend, don't think for a moment that in an ordinary time, it will stay faithful. It will keep on keeping on. Somewhere God's going to move in and he's going to make it again. And then you ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to be better and greater. You know, as an evangelist, I learned how to do this, and it really freaks people out. And, and this is cool, especially when they're, when they're rolling their eyes, when they're looking like, I really don't care what you have to say. I just want you to hurry up and get it over with. <laughs> and th- this is cool. And, and I've tried every trick in the book. I really have. And I've been all over the world, you know, so I've tried every trick in the book. And, and this has been the best thing that's ever I learned to do. Instead of getting mad, I just smile at them. And that freaks them out because they don't know what. They don't know if there's something on their shirt. And then I just smile at them. Yeah, your hair's messed up. Uh-huh. You got green stuff in your teeth or something. You know, they don't know. And they, what, what's he smiling at me about? I, I don't even want to be here. But I'll just, and it freaks them all out. And then I'll get them to smile. I said, if y'all could just smile at me one time. Why? It transforms the ordinary. Because that's all we have, church. We don't have anything other than ordinary. It's just the usual. It's just the ordinary. Until... The potter shows up, but we're flawed clay. Amen. So, what do we do with flawed clay? Put it on the wheel, get yourself up out the way, and see what the potter can do with that flawed mess. And watch him take it and begin to lift it. And that's the way a potter works. He always starts at the bottom and lifts up, never pushes down. You can't mold clay pushing down. Try it. You'll get it all over your face. And I want to be there to see it. Praise God. (laughs) Then I'll smile. I told you. And then he's always lifting. And why is it that when God moves on people, he's always trying to lift them? And he's always trying to lift them. Why? He's molding you. And he's letting you know that maybe the first one was marred. Maybe your ideal wasn't met. But everything don't have to be perfect for it to be good. 
And if you got to have everything perfect, then there's something flawed in your spirit and you're not on the wheel. It don't have to be perfect for it to be good. You just need to get back on the wheel and give God the next shot at your life. Come on, Lord, lift me up. And you know what I found? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings. So don't get messed up because the naysayers. Because God is not embarrassed that his skill didn't produce it the first time. Because we're not talking about me being the potter. I'm not the potter. I'm the clay. He's the potter. Oh, I wish somebody could hear this right now. And here's what I found out. I remember in a revival I was at in Winsboro, Louisiana. Musicians, y'all come on. Play softly. Amen. It's at a revival in Winsboro, Louisiana, Brother Hawthorne. The elder was still alive, and he was a troclodyte preacher. He was back, I think he was born in 1736. But he loved me, and I loved him. He was just a great man of God. I just loved him. And on the first night of revival, just a few days before that, this young mother that had three boys, her husband was killed because they had a lot of loggers there and they were cutting trees down. Tree fell on them and killed him instantly. And so she was faced with raising those three babies by herself in church. Now, it was just one of those revivals where we just showed up. I mean, we didn't do anything special. It was just the ordinary. I just preached and the Holy Ghost fell. It was one of those where God transformed the ordinary into extraordinary. And I watched that mother. I didn't even know what happened. She just came out of the pew while I was preaching. She even remembers to this day that message. And I don't even remember my message last week, much less all the way back there. She she remembers it to this day. She came out shouting and praising God. And she knew in that service, from that message, that God was going to take care of her and her babies. She knew. And I can't remember where I was at. Y'all have to forgive me. But she came up to me. I didn't recognize her after all of these years. It was just about a year ago, not even a year ago. She came up to me. She said, Brother Kenzie, you don't remember me. I said, I'm sorry, but I sure don't. She said, I'm from Winsboro, Louisiana, Brother Hawthorne's church. Yeah, I remember preaching there. That's about all. She said, you remember 
the man who got killed. Yeah, I remembered that. That was my husband. Two of my boys now are preaching the gospel. One of them is, on, is in the church and he's the secretary or he's doing whatever he's doing in the church and he's kind of doing all kinds of things in the church. All three of my boys are saved. <laughs> Said, I remember that message you preached and she quoted the scripture and gave me the, the subject matter of the, of the message. I said, wow. Hallelujah, that's cool. Nobody remembers my preaching. I've been pastoring too long. Amen. And she said, I, I still remember, but I heard from God that night that everything's going to be all right and that God was going to take care of me and my babies. And I've never missed a church service unless we were dire sick about half dead. And we've been in church. And she's just stayed on the wheel. It's just the usual. It's just the ordinary. But God kept making it again and again and again. And I never get tired of God making things again. And it's all right now. When I was younger, I didn't understand it. And I whined about it, okay? I whined about it. But I don't whine about it anymore. I just let God nuke me. All right, God, nuke me. One more time, that's all I need is one more nuke. And then I'm back on the wheel. And he said, watch what I'm going to do. And then he gives you perfect peace. And I said, well, it's worth the nuke. Praise God. And this is what you have to remember when you're in an ordinary situation and God kills your dream. It's all right. It's going to be all right. Just stay on the wheel and watch him make it again. And don't get impatient with God. And watch him do it again and again and again. I promise you he will. I want you all to stand and would you lift your hands and worship the Lord and bless his name. That's it. Just lift your voice. Jesus, we call out unto you right now. Again, Lord, put us on the wheel yet again tonight. Put us on the wheel yet again tonight in this service, Lord, in the name of Jesus. That's it, church. Would you just lift your voice to the Lord and let the Lord minister to you right now? Right where you are, let the Lord speak to you. Let him work upon your heart and your mind from this powerful word we received tonight. He can transform what's viewed as ordinary to extraordinary tonight. Something 
something powerful can change in your heart and mind in the midst of this service right now let the lord do that work in the name of jesus take this flawed clay oh god one more time and put it on the wheel in the name of jesus that's it lift your voice let the lord hear your cry tonight let him work on your heart and your mind right now in the name of jesus lord one more time lord god work on me one more time lord let your hands lord god do the lifting lord in our hearts and our minds in the name of jesus let it be done lord let it be done right now in the name of jesus there's nothing too we hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.